From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Open lines this hour. Ask me anything. And Rosemary Ellen Guiley, paranormal investigator, lecturer, best-selling author, she'll be here in hour two for our regular monthly Paranormal News Roundup. And in the second half of hour two with Rosemary, we'll talk about a form of divination to contact the dearly departed called Black Mirror Scrying. That's all coming up. But as I say right now, open lines and the number to get in on the conversation toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. And I'm also extending an invitation to those of you in our live stream chat tonight to submit questions this hour. We are live streaming on our YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Uh, Before that, let me extend my sincere thanks once again to our Star Chamber supporters, Kirk Shamel or Scamel. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Kirk, down in um, Arizona. Brad Robinson and Denny Bladell or Blaisdell. I believe it's Denny Bladell. Your support is absolutely tremendous. I can't thank you enough. And uh, from everyone here on The Conspiracy Show and Strange Planet Productions, Kirk, Brad, and Denny in our Star Chamber tier at patreon.com. Thank you so much. Also, it's a time for our monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. And this month's winner of Strange Planet Volume 2. That's a collection of my weekly radio uh, feature. And uh, the winner is Wooly. Just goes by the name Wooly, just like Cher, Sting, one name. Wooly's in Washington State. Congrats, Wooly. We'll send that out to you in the mail first thing tomorrow. To become eligible for the monthly draw for Strange Planet merch, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash strange planet, and become a monthly supporter. All right, this hour open lines. So to get this rolling, let me throw out a couple of things. Well, it's really one thing that involves a number of related issues, but it really relates to the culture war in which we are now engaged. And it is quickly becoming, if it has not already become, a non-shooting civil war. Let me stress, it's a non-shooting civil war, and I pray it remains non-violent and doesn't degenerate any further. But make no mistake, we are on the cusp of civil war, again, in terms of the culture war. And I had a, a caller, I don't want to be over, overly dramatic here, but I think it's time to be honest with ourselves. Now, I had a caller on uh, Coast to Coast this past Friday during open lines. She was actually calling from Thornhill. Well-intended, I'm sure. She seemed like a very pleasant lady. And I'm only pointing her out because this is how I'm getting into the conversation. I'm not implying that she was being militant in any way. But she started proselytizing about the virtues of a vegan lifestyle, which is fine, and how eating meat was wrong and how it's destroying the planet. Now, I'm a meat eater, unabashedly so. I think eating red meat in moderation is healthy, and I've made that decision for myself. 
I need meat. I like meat. I like the taste of it. I don't apologize for eating meat. I don't intend to stop eating meat. And I've tried. I've tried during Lent to abstain from eating meat. 40 days without meat. That's a tall order for me. I actually did it once. I did it for maybe a week, and I did not feel right. I was about a week in, and I was in a fog. I was getting headaches. So, you know, again, I'm all about live and let live, and I would never try and force my dietary choices on anyone, my lifestyle choices. And most vegetarians and vegans, I know, don't try and force theirs on me. It's the militant ones I find objectionable. And again, I'm not saying the caller on coast from Thornhill was being militant, but she was insistent. Now, here's the problem. We now have socialists. I'd go further and call them avowed Marxists. Like this new star of the Democratic Party, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, fast becoming a Republican Party secret weapon, although I don't think she realizes it yet. But she's unveiled her new Green Deal. And everyone on the left in her party is jumping on board because if you're not with AOC, you're against her. And, you know, the mood is such right now that you have to be with AOC if you're on the left. If you're not aligned with her, then you're part of the elite. That's just the way it's breaking out. And when it was unveiled, this new Green Deal, it included proposals to ban meat. Can you imagine? Coercion is what we're talking about. But it went further. That's just the, uh, the, tip of the spear. It included proposals to ban flying. It wants to get rid of fossil fuel or at least achieve what they call a carbon neutral economy within 10 years. It sounds wonderful, that part of it. I'm all about free energy. If it's out there, we haven't seen it yet. And until we see it, until whoever has it decides to give it to the rest of us, we are reliant on fossil fuels. Fossil fuels are here for the long term. I say long term, I'm talking about the next probably 25 years. People are not buying electric vehicles. What are you going to do? Are you going to force them? She's proposed guaranteeing free education, free health care, and a guaranteed, get this, a guaranteed income for everyone who can't work or is not willing to work. Now, once this was revealed and the backlash came, from ordinary, normal, rational people, including liberals, because most liberals are. I'm not talking about liberals here. I'm talking about the radical left. It's an important distinction. When they realized, or when she had realized, and her minions had realized, they'd gone way too far, way overboard. This was crazy, delusional stuff. She got way out over her skis. Then she claimed, her minions claimed, they, oh, we never proposed things like banning meat and banning flying. That was just something, well, first they lied. They said, no, 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 that's not true. We never, we never ever proposed that because immediately they took that document offline. But of course, in the age of the internet, nothing can be deleted entirely. Someone grabbed a screenshot. It was presented to them. Aha, here's the proof. And then of course they changed their tune. Well, That was just a rough draft. It was never intended. It was posted by accident. Sure. But you see, they will lie to your face. They will say anything to achieve their agenda. It's a radical Marxist agenda we're talking about here. And unfortunately, it does appeal to millennials in the United States in particular. Have you seen the latest polls? Somewhere between 43 and 53 percent, depending on the poll. 43 and 53% of millennials 
in the United States now say they would prefer to live in a socialist or communist country. Can you imagine we would ever arrive at this place in time? So when someone from the radical left, not ordinary liberals of good conscience, I'm talking the radical left that has hijacked the Democratic Party, that is quickly hijacking the Liberal Party here in Canada, they're all about pushing boundaries, floating really radical ideas that seem and are absurd on the face of it. But they repeat them enough, and they push and they push, and we negotiate, and we give them just a little bit. And then they come out again and they push a little bit further and push. The process is called gradualism. And they'll tell you it's only a proposal. Don't believe them. Because their backroom credo, their playbook is by any means necessary. Lie if you have to. Tell them one thing and do another. Because, because at the root of it, they have contempt for the voter. They have contempt for citizens. We're stupid. We're deplorable. We don't know what's good for us. But they do, of course. Now, the problem is, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is very endearing. She's young and she's charming. And she has a wonderful story. Working her way up. Started out as a bartender. I think that's inspirational. She sounds well-intentioned, but make no mistake, she and her ilk would love to ban flying. They would love to ban meat. They'd love to ban personal automobiles. They hate cars. They hate private property. They hate Western civilization. They hate liberal democracy. They hate classical liberalism. They hate the West. That is what we're up against. It starts out with a proposal. Maybe we should think about banning meat. But this is the end game. This is what it's all about. Just thought I'd get that off my chest and throw that out there. However, it is open lines. You can ask me anything. Let's start off with uh, Kevin in Etobicoke. Hey, Kevin, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm good, Richard. I'm kind of frightened after just listening to what you said. That's very disturbing. Well, forewarned, forearmed, as they say. This is what we're up against. Oh, for sure, yeah. I had a couple questions for you, if I could. Uh, They both concern the European Union. And one is, we used to hear all the time about Greece is on the brink of economic collapse, Italy is about to collapse, Portugal is collapsing, and I don't think we hear that anymore. Do you know why? Well, when it comes to Greece, I think they continue to sort of paper over the problem. Now, as far as I know, the emergency bailouts have stopped. The extreme measures that Greece has taken, fiscal measures, cutting back on pensions, which has caused tremendous uh, um, pain, I think they're sort of working in, in the short term. Greece has slowly sort of started to climb out of this economic morass that has really gripped the country for the last, what, decade and a half, 20 years? Of course, they never should have been allowed into the EU, and we now understand how that happened. little uh, chicanery and uh, cooking the books and so forth, because in order to qualify to get into the EU, your uh, GDP to debt ratio had to be at a certain level. Theirs was not. Uh, so, you know, they hired some people. They fudged the numbers, in other words. So there was clearly some fraud happening there, but they got into the EU. It seems like Greece is sort of back on their feet, They're a little wobbly on their pins. However, you're right. We don't hear a lot about that. I haven't heard the latest from Portugal. Italy's debt to GDP is absolutely unsustainable. I mean, it's careening out of control, has been out of control. They have a populist government. 
which is kind of a, an unlikely duo of the uh, of the Northern League, which is sort of a, uh, an ultra conservative party, and then you've got Five Star, which is a uh, sort of left of center, very left of center, sort of strange bedmates. But at the moment, they seem to be making it work. Are they going to be pushing for uh, uh, what do they call the the uh, the Italian version of Brexit? I'm not sure. So you're right. We haven't heard right now. The EU has its hands full with Britain. And uh, when is that deadline for uh, for Brexit? Is it March 25th? Well, that was uh, my other question. I was going to ask if you think Brexit will ever happen. Haha. <laughs> you know, I think it will. The question is, I think it has to. I think if they were to, I don't even think they. I think it's too late now to reverse course and try another referendum. The question is, how messy is this breakup going to be, and will Britain have any sort of deal in place? Of course, the EU is using these tremendous scare tactics that if there's no deal, they will be they will have virtually no trade with Europe, which is nonsense. There will be trade. Um, I, I, I think I think it'll be very challenging for Great Britain in, in the short term, but they can certainly reach out and and have. Very strong bilateral trade agreements, trade agreements with the United States, uh, with Canada, uh, with other Commonwealth countries. I think they will, there will be some short-term pain and some uncertainty. The markets won't like it in the beginning, uh, but uh, it's going to happen. Uh, how how messy it gets? Well, I mean, it's been pretty messy so far, just getting from that original vote to leave the EU to now. Uh, and that's going to intensify as we we lead up to the actual D-Day. Uh, but yes, it's going to happen. Um, as for Greece, Italy, Portugal, I don't know. I think I think the EU will. What's going to happen is in it'll happen in stages. It'll break off. There'll be regional EUs. There'll be a northern EU, EU maybe a central and a southern EU, uh, and then gradually they'll break off. I, I see it sort of unfolding and unwinding slowly. Others um, see this sort of crumbling down very quickly. Whatever the tipping point is, it's going to collapse like the uh, you know like the Eastern Bloc and the Berlin Wall. So, but if I had to, if I was a betting man, I would say it's going to be uh, the uh, the latter. It's going to be a slow unwinding, but the EU will eventually crumble. You cannot have uh, the uh, the drachma, the Greek drachma. Uh, under the same currency umbrella as the the Deutschmark, it just it's it's un it's unsustainable. I hope that answered your question. Thanks a lot, Richard. My appreci- I appreciate it. Thank you. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty and toll free from out of town one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Just checking the uh, the YouTube channel the YouTube live stream. I'd like to hear Richard's thoughts on the mass immigration in Canada from Pete. Well, obviously I have to preface uh, my comments by saying the obvious. We are a nation of immigrants. I support immigration, sustainable levels of immigration. Uh, but if we're talking about mass migration of the the illegal sort, then obviously I'm, I'm not in favor of that. Uh, the problem is... We've signed on to this UN accord on, on, um, on mass migration and they want to muddy the water. They want to muddy the terms. So there's no such thing as an illegal, illegal immigrant now. It's an undocumented worker. I'm sorry. I don't play those word games. 
An undocumented worker is an illegal immigrant, and I am opposed to illegal immigration. Uh, obviously, I mean, we don't have the same situation here in Canada as they do in the United States with their porous southern border, but uh, we do have uh, people coming from the United States uh, who were illegal there. They are seeking refuge here, and, uh, you know, they're being put up in hotels and so forth on our dime, and that's, it's just not right. And it can't be allowed to happen. Unfortunately, uh, the political climate is such that you're not even allowed to talk about it. And uh, part of this new uh, UN migration accord is, uh, to me, it's it smacks of re-education camps. So journalists are going to learn the new vernacular, the new language. And part of that is we don't use the term illegal anymore. Uh, so this whole, I mean, it used to be a very radical concept. Uh, and there was, there was this group called No One Is Illegal. And, uh, and now it's becoming mainstream. Well, I'm sorry, but I believe in, I'm not sorry, I believe in the nation state. And they've tried to co-opt the term nationalist. The nationalist now, that's a dirty word. Well, it has been used by certain individuals in a very odious manner who had, uh, Obviously, malevolent intentions, Adolf Hitler and so forth. But that was Hitler. That was then. I'm not talking about that kind of nationalism. I'm talking about in a fervent support in the nation state. And I am a nationalist. I don't care what anyone says. You're not going to take that word away from me. I'm a nationalist. I believe in the nation state. I believe in borders. I believe in the rule of law. Because it is the rule of law that keeps us free. Not democracy. That's part of it. But it is the rule of law. And one of the most important rules of law has to do with the border. You have to establish a border. And you have to enforce that border. Because that is an expression of the nation state. I'm not a one-worlder. I'm not a globalist. I'm not a citizen of the world. I'm a citizen of Canada. So, those are my thoughts on uh, mass immigration. Legal immigration, yes. In sustainable numbers, immigration must serve the needs of the citizenry. It is an extension of economic policy. It's not a, a feel-good measure. All right, we'll uh, take a quick time out, come back. More open lines. Richard in, or- in Indianapolis uh, when we come back right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serra. Stay with us. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarah. Hey, welcome back. Just checking the uh, questions coming in on the live stream chat. Uh, Ralph F. asks, uh, Richard, how many space aliens do you think are on Earth now? I guess that was related to the illegal immigrant question, but now uh, he's talking space aliens. Uh, zero. How's that? Zero. Let's go back to, uh, let's see, we have... Is it Richard in Indianapolis? Yes, it's Richard. Hi, Richard. How are you? Hey, good. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Uh, I had heard uh, somebody comment this last week, and I don't know if they were being facetious or what, that uh, Alexandria Cortez's New Green Deal would seek to uh, mandate changes to farming to limit bovine flatulence, which is considered a greenhouse gas. And um, this only points no, out I don't think... the flaw in her argument that if we ate more cows, we have less to uh, be concerned about with that. 
Well, I, I haven't seen that particular wording. I haven't read the entire document. The, the, the one that jumped out at me was, you know, banning meat. So, uh-huh. and she's linking it obviously to, you know, to this canard about, uh, you know, methane and climate change and so forth. So that wouldn't surprise me. But, right. you know, can you imagine? And her, her timetable is, of course, because we only have 12 years left. This is our World War II. Her timetable is that in 10 years, no more fossil fuel. That's a death sentence. That's a death sentence. Can you imagine in the Midwest this past, or right now, these last few weeks at minus 50, no heating, uh, no heat, no natural gas. And she's also saying we're not going to solve the problem using nuclear. Right. So I guess some free energy device is supposed to drop out of the sky within the next 10 years. Yes, sir. I'm a I'm a truck driver here, and um, I I go through probably a thousand gallons of diesel fuel a week. I could not imagine an alternative to that. I mean, some trucks are running on natural gas now, but you take away those two, we've got nothing. Well, th- we just haven't found anything that packs the punch uh, of of fossil fuel. And listen, I'm I'm not saying you know that there isn't the potential for a, some free energy device, and I know there are a lot of people that listen to this program that think that it's already out there and it's being suppressed. And I'm saying, fine, if it's there, then bring it on. Uh, but until that time, we are, we have hitched our star to that wagon, and fossil fuel. I mean, there's a, a a great book out there called The Moral Case for Fossil Fuel. I've tried to get the author on, but he's a very busy man. And his name, of course, escapes me right now in the heat of battle. But, uh, you know, fossil fuel saves lives. Think about, you know, all of the, the, uh, the, uh, the inclement weather and how many people would freeze to death, you know, if we didn't have heating oil. Think about how many people would, uh, you know, succumb to extreme, uh, extreme heat without things like air conditioning. And, and many people do, uh, because they don't have access to fossil fuel, cheap, affordable, like coal. That's, that's being denied to the developing world. They needed an industrial revolution in Africa. Um, let's give it to them. Let's allow them to have it. Let's help them have that. Uh, but no, we can't because coal is, you know, is verboten, which is, right. uh, it's a death sentence, quite frankly. Yes. And I don't think it's any coincidence either that it's so strong against the, now that we've become an exporter rather than an importer. Yes, we have this, well, here in Canada, we have this, this wonderful birthright. We, you know, we have more, I think we have four times, four times, I might be wrong, I think it's something like on the order of four times the natural, the oil reserves the United States has. And you are now a net exporter for the first time in what, 70 years? You're now a net exporter of oil? We have four time your reserves, but we, we're still getting our oil, half the country from Saudi Arabia. It's a national disgrace. Are we a country or are we not a country? That's right. Richard, okay, safe well, driving. that's all I had. Uh, I'm going to go out and eat a cow for the sake of the environment. God bless you. <laughs> all right, Richard, safe travels in Indianapolis. Uh, Melanie is in Toronto. Melanie, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Welcome and a happy new year again to everybody, to all our friends in the United States and Canada. Um, coming from Eastern Europe, I can tell you that uh, if... Uh, this Brexit deal does go through, and if they alienate the poor socialist countries of Europe, 
I have a sneaky suspicion that Putin is going to jump on the bandwagon and he's going to say, you know what, we're going to give you an alliance. We've got lots of oil. We've got a lot of things that you need, we need. Why don't we be friends, you know, friendship, you know? Uh, that's the style of the old Soviet Union. That's the style of the foxes in, uh, in Russia. So, I truly believe that Putin is going to try to form an alliance with the countries that are going to be left out, like especially Greece, uh, France, Portugal, etc., etc. Because so, uh, just so I understand, Melanie, are you saying that you you're fearful of Brexit because it's playing into the hands of Putin? I'm not quite sure. Absolutely, that's the way I'm seeing it. I'm old enough to know and. Being brought up in the old uh, Eastern system, this is how I see it. Because you see, China is swallowing up a lot of parts of Africa and, and building things and giving them uh, things they've never had before. So Putin is going to jump on the bandwagon and say, "Look, we've got a lot of cheap oil, you know." And the way that they're going to punish them once they get them into his, once he gets them into his clutches, is what he's doing to Ukraine. He's, uh, you know, bypassing everything. He's trying to strangle Ukraine, and uh, he's he's, he's going to do. The same thing to the European countries. And, uh, well, first of all, though, keep in mind, Melanie, that, that uh, Russia is already selling its oil and its natural gas to, to the EU, to the EU, Germany in particular. You're right. That's right, Germany so, especially. So whether the EU breaks up or not, I mean, uh, he, he's – listen, I, I think that he's going to do what he's going to do. Well, he's but going to recover. That, that, yeah, but let's 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 really let's put his, the, let's put the threat of Russia in perspective. Mm-hmm. Russia has the GDP of of a, the state of Texas. All right, it's a minor player. Mm-hmm. The 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 real adversary, long term, not even that long term, is China. Mm-hmm. And yes, China is. You're right. They're gobbling up uh, you know huge tracts of land in Africa. They're they're buying up uh, uh, rare earth. The rare they're earths building, and they're so building forth. infrastructure there also, Absolutely. which is that uh, I think that this is how they're going to, this is how Putin is going to really influence the uh, rest of Europe into his direction. And uh, I think he's going to keep a stranglehold on his own people. And uh, this is the way the cunning fox works. So this is my fear that by voting for Brexit, we we, we might even see Ireland, you know, following Putin's uh, advice and saying, "Oh, you want to be our brother? Yes, bratstvo, you know, comrade. Yes, we'll help you." This is this is their style. Well, I don't think it's an either-or proposition. I think you can still aspire to having control of your own fiscal policy, your own monetary policy, your own borders. Uh, and and still, you know, resist the clutches of uh, the evil Russian Empire. Well, I, I agree. I think you need to be mindful of that. What you're saying, Melanie. I think yes, but but Greece is in the EU, and they already have a close trade relationship with Putin. They're, they're very also, cozy. They're also ortho- Orthodox Christians, which the Russians yes. are. But you see, yes. the whole thing with the Russian people is yes, they they have a good heart, they have a big heart, but they've suffered so much humiliation in, in the last uh, maybe even hundred years. That the thing that you have to remember is that Eastern Europeans, they need their pride, whether they're Russians or Ukrainians or Belarus, white Russians or whoever, their their sense of pride has been totally destroyed, whereas America has had too much pride, and now it's destroying its pride with, with the extreme leftists. 
Do well, no, I agree I'm with saying? you. Russia, there was an opportunity. There was a window there after the fall of the Berlin Wall. There were promises made to Putin that NATO would not encroach one millimeter towards Moscow. Uh, instead of honoring that and trying to reach out to Russia, they could have been a partner at one point. But that ship has passed. Oh, no, no. You're but, right. But, we but we you're stuck the bear. We, yeah, but you're forgetting what? one thing. Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons uh, because America wanted it that way, and so did Europe. And they said, yes, we'll come to your help. We'll protect you if Russia should try to take over. Well, Russia took over the Crimea, and America and the West wasn't there. So why did Ukraine give up its nuclear weapons? Why should Northern Korea give up its weapons? It's saying, look, you promised to defend Ukraine, and you haven't defended Ukraine. You've, allowed, you've told them, get rid of your nuclear weapons, we'll protect you. The same as when the when uh, the Germans attacked Poland, England had signed it. We're going to protect Poland. They never protected Poland. The Germans marched right in. No, you're true. That that, that you're absolutely right. That appeasement uh, on on the part of the British and the French at that point and the United States um, allowed you know gave Hitler free reign and he become brazen. And uh, first you know it was the Saarland and then the Rhine and then Rhineland and then the yeah. Sudetenland and nobody said anything. No, and my uncle uh, was one of the first people that in Poland uh, when they attacked the post office my who's passed away God rest his soul he was one of the defenders in Poland my other family was in Ukraine I have family all over Eastern Europe but I'll tell you something America has not kept its promise to Ukraine and this is why North Korea will not get rid of its weapons because they're saying to America look what look you didn't come to the aid of Ukraine they gave up their nuclear weapons you think we're stupid we're gonna give it up Absolutely not. And the reason we have all these leftists in America now is because America has never kept its promises to the, to its allies and to people who stood up for it. We had thousands after the Second World War. We had thousands of uh, Eastern Europeans who committed suicide because America wouldn't allow them to to come into the country, just like with Canada well, with I, the Jews. Okay, but Melanie, I, I would disagree with you. That's not that's not why the the, le- the you know that's not why we have the rise of the left in my estimation it has nothing to do with the perception of allies and so forth well, uh, we we have this is this is this is indoctrination it starts in the schools we now have millennials who want to live in a socialist country uh, you know if they want to take a tour of Venezuela be my guest no it, this is uh, this is a cancer I'm talking again. I want to be very ironclad here. I'm not talking about liberal. Thank you for the call, Melanie. I want to get some others in here. I'm not talking about liberals. The liberals are not the problem. We can work with liberals. We have, you know, political differences, but we debate, we argue, and we come up with compromises. There are, there are allies. I am talking about a different breed entirely. The radical left, uh, which are in, in fact Marxists, uh, and uh, they are an existential threat. Their policies. Their policies are an existential threat to Western civilization, and that's what we have to stand up against. All right, let's see. Um, do we have another YouTube question? Someone was asking me about illegal aliens, or sorry, space aliens. I, I said none, and the reason is that I have a very different view of the ET issue. Uh, I, I don't believe we're talking about extraterrestrials. I think we're talking about interdimensionals, and the only thing that makes sense to me as a Bible-believing Christian is that if there, if there are, if there is something, some sentient being piloting these aircraft, these, uh, these UFOs, they would likely be from the angelic realm or the demonic realm. So I don't believe 
that there are extraterrestrials from from some other uh, distant constellation, for example, here on Earth. And I know that rubs uh, a lot of people in the UFO community uh, the wrong way, and I've probably uh, you know cut myself off from some Christmas card lists and so forth. However, you asked for my opinion, and that's it. No space aliens uh, here on Earth. All right. Uh, the other thing that we can talk about, and I mentioned this on Coast to Coast, and I believe we are uh, heading into a break here very soon. Uh, I talked about, this is kind of a, a departure from our hot and heavy conversation uh, there, but on uh, Coast to Coast, I mentioned recently I'd lost my wallet at the uh, public library. Uh, it disappeared. It was gone. It vanished. And then it was there again in exactly the same place I had looked several times. So maybe when we come back, we can talk about disappearing and reappearing objects. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, welcome back. And uh, just a reminder, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal investigator, researcher, best-selling author, will join us at the top of the hour for the uh, full hour, the full second hour. She joins us the second Sunday every month. And uh, we have some fascinating uh, stories for our paranormal news roundup. And then in the uh, second half of hour two, uh, she'll talk about a method of divination called black mirror scrying, uh, which she's written extensively about as well. Rosemary Ellen Guiley coming up top of the hour. Right now, we continue on with open lines. And let me give you the numbers again. 416-360-0740. That's toll free. Uh, sorry, that's for the uh, greater Toronto area. 416-360-0740. Toll free from out of town. And good just about anywhere. 1-866-740-4740. Uh, Nicholas on the, uh, the live stream chat is asking me, uh, what are my thoughts on Patreon censorship? Uh, well, <laughs> it's coming. Uh, I mean, it's arrived for certain individuals. Uh, it may come my way as well. I may be directly affected. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, it is disturbing, this, this trend. What, 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 what they have done in social media, in, in politics, is they have criminalized political differences. I was talking earlier about our liberal friends and uh, how we work with liberals. Conservatives and liberals work together. And we discuss and we form consensus. But now we have a new entity, this radical left, and, and what they what they are trying to do is to criminalize differences of opinion. And we're seeing this now in social media, uh, where if you have the wrong opinion, you're banned. But it's worse. One could argue, well, it's a privately run company. They have that right. It's a club. And if you don't follow their rules, then you're out. But now, as we move more and more towards a cashless society and people are becoming dependent on things like PayPal and Patreon as a revenue stream, and they are being denied because of their wrong opinion. There are so many examples of people who are having a difficult time making a living. PayPal is the revenue stream. They're being cut off PayPal. Imagine, imagine if and when it comes to this, Visa or MasterCard 
or the or American Express says, we don't like your opinion, you can't use Visa anymore. Or the bank says, we don't like your opinion, you can't use the debit card anymore. Is this where we're headed, really? Is this what we want? We're heading down that road. I shudder to think. Uh, Virginia's in Hamilton. Now, Virginia, before I get you on, because you want to talk about disappearing and reappearing items, and for those who missed uh, my Friday appearance on Coast to Coast, so I had this um, library book that was overdue, and I had another one on hold at the library. So it's about five minutes from where I'm sitting, the old village library in Thornhill. It's haunted, by the way. And uh, so I drove over there, got out of the car, and I always keep my wallet in my hip pocket. And uh, I know it's there because when I sit in the car, do you do this? You, you, <laughs> you sit in the car and it, and you get like hip displacement because of the wallet in the one side of your your pan pocket. And I never I never think after 40 years of driving, take the wallet out and and put it on the armrest or what have you. So it's always in my hip pocket. I go into the library, reach into my wallet or reach into my back pocket to get my library card because I want to pay a late fine and also get this book that's on hold, the wallet's not in my pocket. Even though I had felt it on the drive over, I rush out back out to the car, look on the on the, on the car seat, look on the passenger seat, look in the uh, armrest, look in the crevice between the, the seats, between the driver's side door and the seat. It's not there. I look on the road under the car. I retrace my steps. I go back to Food Basics where I was. It's not there. I go home. Now I'm in a bit of a panic running around the house, check my nightstand. I check every coat pocket in the hall closet, even the coats I haven't worn since the spring or the fall. It's not there. I go downstairs. I check this studio. I check my office. Not there. So I decide, okay, I'll go back to the library and look again. I go back out to the car, open the car door, and there is my wallet sitting on the front seat as conspicuous as can be. What's going on? Disappearing and reappearing objects. Virginia and Hamilton, hold on. I'll get to your call when we come back. Open lines right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Just about to launch into a discussion on uh, disappearing and reappearing objects. Uh, all right, let's go to Virginia in Hamilton. Hey, Virginia. Hi, good evening, Richard. First of Hi all, there. let me tell you, you're very, very right on the uh, insidious creep of uh, punishing people who think differently. It's there, and it is something to be quite alarmed about. I'm with you on that camp. It's it's chilling, actually. It's it's the, it's the new era of McCarthyism. Uh, it's worse than that. It's, it's Orwellian to the max. And um, putting that aside, though, when you were talking about... Uh, losing things and finding them. Strangely enough, uh, on my way home today, I've been traveling along the Niagara Escarpment and talking with people. We had a conversation about this very same subject, and it brings to mind the fact that my mother many years ago used to say, if you lost something, pray to St. Anthony. He's a patron saint of finding things. Yes. And that's yes. sort of a, sort of a, a, what, a parochial kind of way of thinking, but back in 2007... When my, my sister died, um, the family went to the funeral, we went to the church, and my husband lost his keys. 
we took my mother. We didn't find out about that until I took my mother back to the uh, long-term care center where she was. Couldn't find the keys anywhere. I had a second set of keys to drive us back. We went through the church to the church. Church was locked. Walked all over the parking lot, everywhere. And he was desperate because they had a lot of important keys on that key ring. Sure. Got back to the wake and put my purse down, went to the telephone to see if just somehow, this is before a cell phone and all that, my, uh, before, you know, thinking my son may have picked up my bag or something and carried them back to the, uh, the house. And he said, no, the keys aren't here. And I thought, oh, God, what are we going to do? Turned around the corner, picked up my purse, and as I stand here breathing, those keys were on the top of my purse. Mm-hmm. Secondly, what is that all about, Virginia? I do not know. And I brought my husband over. We just stood and stared at them. Uh, and we just looked at each other. How could this be? Okay, we, we believe in things which are outside of our realm. There, there's no question. There is some interference and some good interference that comes from beyond when we need it. Fine. I accept that. Wonderful. I took those keys. My husband is now dead. But I took those keys. I gave them to my daughter. I said, listen, hold on to these keys. They've been somewhere. I don't know where they've been, but they've traveled. <laughs> so look after them. Um, 2007, uh, pardon me, 2009, after my husband died, I was about a month after that, I was coming home, and I had my hands filled with parcels, and my keys were in my hand. My keys dropped on the floor in the, in the foyer. Put the parcels down, put them in the kitchen, went back to look for my keys. They weren't there. I thought, no, come on, this is ridiculous. So I looked around and thought, maybe I kicked them here or I knocked them somewhere. No, I'm the only one in the house. What am I going to do? So I stood in the living room and I said, okay, you're playing with me. I don't know what's going on, but put my keys back. I need them. I don't care what you're going to do with them. I need my keys. And I was disturbed, yes, because, I mean, I thought, come on, where, where could they be? Uh, Sunday morning, I had to go into the office, a little room on the other side of the, uh, the house, and I opened up the drawer just beside the computer. Guess what I found? My keys. Your keys, yep. Don't ask me how they got there. There was nobody in the house that entire night to that morning, but there they were. So I took the keys, and I thought, okay, fine. I looked up to heaven, and I said, thank you. And this has happened. And there's been other incidences, too, but not quite as dramatic as those two. So there is something at work. So when you talk about your wallet, oh, I, I just say, yeah, right, it happens. Yeah, yeah. It just uh, In fact, I'm going to ask Rosemary when she comes on here in a few minutes. She has a name for it because uh, we, we've talked about this. I think she calls them a, a, a jute or a jot. And, and the, the letters stand for just one of those things. Yeah. So I think it's, it's J-O-O-T-T. It's not bad. It's not evil. I don't think there's any, there's, I don't know, but something happens, like a, a wink or a blink in time, or something just goes, it appears. Uh, uh, very, very briefly, I know you've got other people on the line, but one time I was making sandwiches for my kids going to school, and I had the butter dish on the side of me, and I was busy making sandwiches. I turned around to the table, got something set up, turned around, butter dish was gone. What the heck? <laughs> Did you ever find it again? Yeah, it was in the fridge. I didn't put it there. And I'm not a freak. I really am not. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I would never suggest such a thing. Just, no, no, no. I You're said, among friends. Okay, all right, fine. Play around with me all you want, but nevertheless. And the funny thing about it, the butter was soft when I was putting it on the bread. 
When I took it out of the fridge five minutes before, it was hard as a rock. Now, you figure that out. I cannot. Right, like it'd been in there for quite some time. Yeah, right. Amazing. Hey, Virginia, <laughs> thanks. Great stories. I appreciate it. Wonderful. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. I want to go back to the uh, the YouTube live chat. And thank you, all of uh, you who join me without fail every week. Now, uh, Jordan, Jordan wanted to know uh, about the federal election happening this fall in Canada. And he says, I got to know, is it Sheer or Maxime? He's asking me who I'm voting for. Uh, I can't divulge that. Uh, but you know my political stripes, so I think you can imagine. Uh, is Sheer up to it, though? That's the question. Uh, because let's face it, it's not going to be the uh, the People's Party of Canada. Uh, they're a, a burgeoning young party. They're uh, they're off on the right foot, but it's just not showing up in the uh, the in the polls at the moment. Uh, that could change. However, um, I, I see their candidate out in uh, in British Columbia uh, was banned from one of the all candidates meeting. So uh, here we go. Talk about. Um, well, that just smacks of what I was talking about earlier. Not, I'm not saying that, I'm not suggesting they're criminalizing, uh, you know, the PPC. I'm just saying, you know, that this type of censorship, it's just, it's, it's odious. Uh, however, I'm, I'm concerned about, to say the least, another four years of the liberal government. I don't know that we'll survive it. We probably will. Uh, but they'll just, if they get in, they'll, they'll stumble along as they have been for the last four years and we'll all be the poorer for it. The question is, uh, is Andrew Shear up to the job? I think he's a likable fellow. I just, I'm not sure that he has the, uh, what do you call it, the royal jelly? You know what I'm saying? However, they said that about Harper and he grew on us, didn't he? I mean, I, I, I miss him. <laughs> Good Lord, do I miss him. Maybe Shear will be, maybe he's a sleeper. Maybe he'll be another Harper. I just, I, I don't think so. Um, he's just, maybe he's too nice. Maybe he's too nice. I do like, I do like Maxime, Maxime Bernier's, uh, Mad Max's, um, uh, positions, his forthrightness, his willingness to speak, uh, about things that, that, um, no other politician will say out loud. They might think it, but they don't have the, uh, the fortitude to say it out loud, and he will, and I think he's an important, uh, person on the scene, and, uh, and I hope, I hope he does well. Not at the cost of, of, uh, taking votes away from the conservatives, because let's face it, they're our best hope of, uh, Andrew Scheer is all we've got. He's our best and only hope at the moment of, um, of getting rid of, uh, Trudeau and the liberals. I don't know, to me, it just seems when the liberals take power, they don't really have policy ideas. They just feel that they have this, this, they're born to rule. They have this right to be in power. And they just occupy space. And then they proceed to bumble and stumble from one calamity to a scandal to some, you know, bit of corruption to the next until it's time for the election. Is it me? I mean, love or hate our premier here in Ontario, Doug Ford, and I, I'm a big supporter, but he comes in with bold action and he gets things done and you may not agree with it, but he's delivering. He's got an agenda and he's taking them off the list. Where is that with the federal liberals? They came, they campaigned on electoral reform. That lasted two weeks. Their big crowning achievement is legalizing marijuana? Really? Is that how you want to go down in the history books? 
All right. Uh, let's see. Maureen. Is it Maureen and Barry? Hi, Maureen. Hi. Hi. We're just about out of time, so you got to make it quick. Yes, Appearing item. Uh, a disappearing we're talking item. about things disappearing and reappearing. And yes. Sylvia Brown has a term for it called apporting. A-P-P-O-R-T-I-N-G. That's right. Yes, the and late Sylvia I've been Brown. I've that yes. for years and years. And oh. well, the funniest thing was, like, my whole, on my mother's side, all had ESP and abilities, but my mother wouldn't let me talk about it. Well, the funny thing was, like, you, her wallet disappeared one day. And she went through the whole apartment, stripped everything down, and I'm standing there and looking in that. And just uh, after she finished freaking out, just said, okay, bring it back. And she <laughs> went back, and there it is sitting right on her bed where she had started looking in the first place. There you go. My word. What is that all about, Maureen? I don't know. We'll discuss again sometime. Maybe I'll pick it up with Rosemary on the other side. She is waiting in the wings. Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Our Paranormal News Roundup next on The Conspiracy Show.